When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome to Performance Anxiety. This week we feature the singer for Exodus, Generation Kill, and Fragile Mortals, and Volkswagen restoration artist Rob Dukes. He used to get drunk a lot. Weird stuff would happen. Then he got sober. That's when all the really weird stuff started happening. This show is full of rock bands getting kicked off of airplanes, getting pulled over in Germany, people getting fired, and finding out what really makes you happy. I really enjoyed talking with Rob. Give him a follow on social media. Check us out at Performance ANX on Twitter and Instagram. You can buy merch at performanceanx.threadlift.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review. And without further ado, here's Rob Dukes. This is Rob Dukes. Uh, I am currently the Generation Kill singer and uh, Fragile Mortal singer for those two bands. I'm formerly of Exodus. I did uh, 10 years with those guys and uh, still hang out with them every now and again. Anyway, you're listening to Performance Anxiety. Have a good day. Yeah, I'm good. I appreciate you getting up this early to to hang out with me for a little bit. Uh, Absolutely, man. Yeah, man. I was uh, doing some research on you, and you've got an interesting story going on. So you're born in Florida. Yeah. How long... And then you moved to New York. What was what was the yeah. time frame there? What? So uh, I was like six or five. Okay, so you don't have a whole lot of Florida going on in you. Uh no, man. I mean, yeah, kind of, man. I'm I'm still fucking white trash. So yeah, I'm <laughs> fucking. I have my moments, man. I do. I definitely have some white trash moments. Um, you know, you know, I I, li- I lived with my grandparents. Uh. And, uh, and they were, um, you know, they lived in a nice neighborhood and it was quiet and, and, uh, you know, I rode my bike around and caught spiders and snakes and, and, uh, I lived near a zoo. And then there was also a lake, um, that was an alligator breeding, um, ground. So oh, wow. I, I, um, I was always down there fucking with the alligators and snakes and, and, um, <laughs> there was a, there was a, it was a, it was a lake that was big time um, uh, for uh, those um, boat racing, yeah. like the big block boat racing. Yeah, so even as a little kid, if I was, so I'd ride on there and see them all the time. It was called Lake Megory, and they had like, like TV shows would be there. You, you know, back before like everything was on TV, that I remember seeing cameras there at one point. It was called Lake Megory, and I lived like right across the street. I lived on Lake Megory Boulevard, so it was right right there. And there was a Lake Megory Zoo. Oh my god! And um, so I, I definitely, you know, had that's kind of where I lived, man. I, I um, my grandparents said they had, uh, um, they were cool people. They, you know, they were, <laughs> they were drunk. So I had to, I kind of fended for myself mostly. Oh you know, wow. As long as I didn't get in trouble, man, everything seemed to be okay. That's all I remember, you know. And then, uh, and then I moved to New York, and um, it was definitely a culture shock because, oh yeah, I, at the time I did have a Southern accent, you know, because I, mean? Cause I, 
I grew up in in that's in the South. So, and I moved to to Queens, New York, and uh, oh wow, yeah. that's a change! Holy yeah. crap! Yeah. So anyway, that's, all right. So was you moved up to New York? Were you, was your family pretty musical, or was that not in the picture at all? Yeah, man. My uncle was a my uncle Logan when Logan Neal. He was a um, a bluegrass musician, and he was phenomenal. Man, he played oh, cool. He played every uh, string instrument. He was awesome, and he played the banjo. He played guitar. He played viola. He played. His wife played the stand-up bass. Oh wow! They had a bluegrass, they had a, a bluegrass band called Whiskey Before Breakfast, and um, which is like awesome. one of the, such an awesome name, man, oh, dude. I love it. So uh, he, um, you know, he. I remember when I was about eight. He handed me a, a stack of records, and he goes, "Yeah, pick out the ones you like, and then give me back the ones you don't." And uh, oh, cool. I kept the Jimi Hendrix, the Doors, uh, Pink Floyd, and uh, and Black Sabbath, and I gave them back the Grateful Dead, Yes, and uh, oh, I think I kept the Who too, and uh, <laughs> I gave him back all the all this, you know, Yes and progressive rock and stuff like that, and I gave him all that back and. Um, so I had as an eight year old kid, I was, you know, my grandparents, like I said, they, they were, they were drunks and they, they just sat and, and they drank themselves to death by the time I was like 17 years old. So oh, wow. I mean, a sad, tragic story, very, very smart, very good people, but just alcoholics, you know? And yeah. they, um, so, so I, I spent most of my time alone. I, I don't remember having many friends, but I do remember having, like, I remember having her my grandmother's uh she had a uh, bill cosby record and uh i would listen to comedy and i had she had a couple other ones um so i had comedy and i had music and i and i would and i i, I wasn't really allowed to watch tv so i read books you know I, I did have mad magazine i had some other funny stuff to read but i kind of just read books man and i i'm a still a pro, prolific reader i, I read a, a book a week at least oh awesome um, and, and so, Mad Magazine folding, I mean, that, or, or suspending. Yeah, man, that's the reason I brought it up is I thought about it. I was like, oh, man, I used to fucking read that. Like, I got one every every week, man, and I, yeah. I fucking read it, you know? Um, so uh, I, I listened to music constantly. I, I'm, I'm, I had headphones, and I, I had a good – I had a decent turntable at the time. Um, and I, I remember I had to – you ever had to change a needle on one of those? Oh, yeah. So I remember, like, that's how much I was into it was I – I had that. and then and then the radio like FM radios um, would play and I would uh, I would like sit there I had you know, the first time you have like the 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 boombox with the dual cassette yes I remember sitting there with the with the record and the play button down sitting with the pause button my finger on it waiting for a good song to come on so I could fucking wait for the that's, DJ to shut the fuck up that's and then exactly fucking, my childhood oh uh, yeah man so that's kind of what I did and, and I did that you know I did that until. I found girls at, you know, 16, 17. You know what I mean? I was kind of, I rode my bike yeah. around. I, I kept, I caught reptiles. I was, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't keep any in my house, dude. I'll tell you this really funny story. I must have been about nine years old. And uh, I was, it was early in the morning, man. I was riding to the beach. So I lived near St. Saint, Saint Pete Beach, near, uh, near enough that I could ride my bike there. Okay. So I was on my way to the beach. And I'm on my bike, and uh, all of a sudden I come up in, a, in this section of trees over by the zoo because you'd have to go past the zoo to get to the beach. There was this web 
and I, I'm not even fucking joking you because I'm, I was a little kid, but I remember it. It was ten feet by ten feet. It oh was this huge God. fucking spiderweb, thick too. Like if you ran to it, it ran through. It would have been like you'd have been like Indiana Jones when oh, he's running geez. from the ball. Yeah. I, so I stop my bike. I go, what the fuck, man? And you know, I get a stick and I shake the fucking web, and this spider comes out. And it was as big as my adult hand. Dude, it was that big. Oh it was this gigantic yeah. spider. I don't remember what kind it was. I remember it was yellow. And it had, had yellow in it and some green, and it was huge. It wasn't a tarantula. It was probably a tarantula of sorts. But whatever it was, it was the biggest fucking spider I've ever seen. So I fucking fly home, and I get a shoebox. And I fucking <laughs> get a shoebox, and I go back, and I catch this spider, and I put it in the shoebox, and I ride home with it. Oh. And I get home. God. And my my grandmother comes out. She goes, "What are you doing?" I go, oh, "I I caught a spider. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, let it go. So maybe it'll it'll live around here on the trees or something." And she goes, "Let me see it." And I open the box, <laughs> and she goes, "Ah!" She took she picked up like a flat like from the from the walkway and just smashes it, <laughs> kills the spider. <laughs> and she chased me around the yard with a you know what you guys know what a switch is oh yeah i had a southern grandma so she got a switch man and she was trying to beat me with the switch and i was just laughing and running from her and she killed my spider that i was gonna i was gonna let it i didn't want to kept it in a cage i wanted to live in my yard so i was just gonna i was just relocating it oh my gosh i think i can picture the spider when i lived in alabama We'd get big banana spiders like that. They were huge, and they would probably they would... man. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say this thing was ten inches in diameter. It was a, it was a plate, a dinner plate. Oh god! And the body was as big as a you know the body was as big as a fucking bigger than a shot glass. I mean, it was Jeez. it was yeah. So anyway, god, fucking little. I hadn't thought of that, and dude, I haven't thought of that story in fucking ten years. <laughs> oh well, that's what this show's about. Yeah. So I that, I love doing yeah. it. All right, so you moved to New York, and uh, New York. you've got a musician uh, uncle. When yeah, he did gave you, me records. When gave you records? When did you start playing music? Um. So, uh, so I, I I lived in New York. I would, uh, you know, I, I still had a, a um. My mom had gotten remarried, and I had, I had moved in with my mother. Okay. And she had this husband, and he was a musical. Uh, he was an album collector. He had probably a, a thousand albums. Oh, wow. So I went through, I went through his collection, man. And he had like, so I had, he had like obscure who records. He told me a story once that, uh, he was at a bar. He was at the, uh, he was in, um, he went to see the, the Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix. And he was wow. there and it was at the Fillmore East and, uh, he ordered a beer. And he, at the time he was like a big guy. He was like two twenty, and he was, you know, like, you know, a little under six foot, but he was kind of a big guy, but he was a little bit crazy too yeah. at the time and, his, and at this era in his life. And, uh, he, he ordered a beer and then some guy like grabbed the beer and was like, thanks mate. And he almost beat the shit out of him. And it was Pete Townsend. Oh um, my God. So he hung out to Fillmore East. He goes pretty much every weekend. He saw every band there was ever to see. So he oh, had this wow. killer music club. He had, I remember, uh, I remember falling in love with uh, like uh, Mike Bloomfield. Yeah, uh, a lot of old blues stuff. He had a lot, a lot of blues records, but he had he had a big, huge Who collection. So I'm about you know eight or I'm about nine years old, right at this time. So I'm listening to 
The Who and Bloomfield, and I found uh, Frank Zappa. Oh, uh, nice. And, you know, uh, Captain Beefheart, which was a little hard to grasp at the time, but yeah. I got it later on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, you know, but he also had other weird stuff, man. He had David Peel and the Marijuanas. He had um, – he just had like this killer music collection. So wow. now my, my – you know, I, but he also had a lot of soul stuff and I, I never really gravitated to it. I didn't – I appreciated it, but I didn't really uh, gravitate to it. So um, so uh, he, I found David Bowie, uh, but he wasn't really into it. He had it because it was popular at that time to own that. Um, but he also had Alice Cooper, which honestly, I, I, I didn't grab it. I didn't like Alice Cooper went over, would just went by me and I missed it. Um, yeah, I'm the same way with um, Alice. They gave me uh so I was, you know, they, my parents, the, my mom got me a kiss record and, um, you know, of course, as you're a kid, you're interested in it. They didn't take off the makeup yet. So it was something interesting. And yeah. That, I, I never really liked the music, but I liked the aspect of the comical part of it. Man, um, thank that, you for saying that. I don't that. think it was intentional by them, but to me, it was always a, <laughs> it was just a show, you know. Um, so thank you for saying anyway. that because I always felt the same way about Kiss. Like, it, if you just take the the uh, the makeup away, I never really cared for the music all that much. I mean, they had they had the hit, they had a song here and then that was good. Like Hundred Thousand Years was alright. Yeah. They had uh, Parasite was kind of cool. You know, they had they had songs that I love. Gun, I like. I like now because I I, I put it to. Uh, um, that movie, <laughs> it's about his dick, man. <laughs> what oh, movie yeah. is Role models. <laughs> so, like, I get it now. Like, there, there are things that I attach to it now that I enjoy about it. But if it comes on, I'll listen. I won't turn it off. But I, I I'll, you, I, I'll never put on Kiss because I want. Oh, I should. I want to listen to Kiss. No, yeah. that never happened. Not once in my life did that happen. So, um, you know, so, so. I, I, you know, I, all I did was listen to music. That's all I did. I read music. I, li- I listen to music and I read books and I did both at the same time. I was a decent student. I was, a uh, a, uh, a, a C student. I could have been an A, but I didn't give a fuck. Yeah. Uh, because nothing, I know that story. Uh, you know, I remember, I remember being in school. I remember arguing with my uh, guidance counselor. I was like, why, why are you making me take a French class? I have no interest to speak another language. <laughs> Why don't you just let me take an art class where I get an A every fucking semester because I enjoy it and that's where I want to I want to be I want to be an artist like let me go into that and I remember arguing and it just it, it went on for weeks and weeks and weeks and finally I didn't have to take French anymore they just let me out of it like oh, I was wow. like an exceptional they let me they, they made an exception like you're not allowed to tell anybody but we're <laughs> gonna do this because. <laughs> Yeah, so I had one decent, uh, and, and Mr. Tyrossi did that for me. He was a math teacher, who was also a guidance counselor, and he, for some reason, he liked me. You know what I mean? And uh, I remember when I he said, "Dude, you know what you need to do if you're going to go to college, which I don't think you're gonna, but if you decide to, uh, before you go to college, you need to buy a motorcycle and drive across the country." And I said, "Okay." Oh and wow! So uh, foreshadowing. Mr. Triassi, uh, or is it Tyrossi or Triassi? Ah, oh, fuck, I don't remember. It's one or the other. He was really cool. He looked like uh, he looked like uh, the dude from uh, the original Death, uh, Charles Bronson. That's what he looked like. Oh Short, wow! Stocky mustache. Yeah, he was awesome. Man. He was an awesome dude. Well, he probably won't be listening. So. Yeah, no, he won't be listening. <laughs> but anyway, I never forget him. He 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 made an impact on me. 
I, honestly, man, I, I was kind of a, I was a serious kind of a loner, man. I didn't, I didn't have any friends. Um, I was always kind of misplaced. I was picked on a lot. I was, I was little and skinny and, uh, you know, up until I was about, uh, 17, the summer between 17 and 18, all I did was lift weights and eat. And, um, and then all of a sudden I was, uh, I was fucking jacked and I, yeah, I remember going, I remember going to some party. It was like a party with, uh, uh, you know, it's some dude's house who I'd never been friends with, like a jock guy or whatever. And, and, uh, I remember somebody said something and I just beat the living fuck out of him. And <laughs> after that, no one, no, everyone like, kind of left me alone after that. Yeah, I, I probably would that. too. Yeah. I had, I had one friend, I had one friend toward the end of school and me and him hung out pretty much 24 seven. He liked music as much as I did. So, but before that I was, I was about 15 and my uh, grandmother, um, my aunt came to visit me and my grandmother had given her and bought me a guitar for my aunt to give to me on the, as a present on the, on the visit. Oh, awesome. So, um, so I learned a couple chords and I uh, started listening to like uh, at the time I was listening to like uh, like Sex Pistols and Misfits and stuff that was easy to play on the guitar. And I started trying to mimic that. I tried playing the blues. I could I could play a little bit, but I, I was always just a kind of a shitty guitarist. I was never very good. I, I was at, at my best. I was mediocre. You know, okay. and um, I was a better rhythm guitar player than I was uh, at doing leads and solos and stuff. And so, but I enjoyed playing. It was something I could do alone. I didn't need anybody, and and I could just sit there and enjoy myself. And I started smoking pot around uh, seventeen, sixteen. Um, I also started drinking at fifteen, and I started drinking heavily. I was a, I was an alcoholic right from the start. Man. Oh wow. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, so, you know, with your grandparents, you know, drinking all that. Yeah, it was kind of. It was kind of in the. Uh, you know, it was kind of in, in my DNA, I guess. You know. So yeah. anyway, so um, I started drinking. So I I became known as a uh, as a drunk, uh, and I drank uh, for the next uh, ten years. I wow. drank uh, absolutely uh, alcoholically and crazy. I I drank. Uh, for only to get drunk, and I did that. And on my 25th birthday, I got really, really drunk. Uh, it lasted. I drank for like three days. Oh my god! Uh, March 13th, 1993 was the last time I ever had a drink. I quit drinking that day, and uh, it was Friday the 13th. Um, I was in New York. A huge snowstorm happened, and uh, that was the last time I drank. And I've been sober ever since. Oh so, man, that's yeah. that's awesome! Congratulations. That's this is one of those things, man. Yeah. That's so. a long time, man. That, that's, that takes some determination, especially going into a profession where it's pretty prevalent. Oh yeah, man. I mean, yeah. I mean, even even the band I was in was, you know, it's it just one of those things where, uh, 
you know, uh, I, it was a personal choice. So I never really gave shit what anybody else did unless it affected me. And right. I have tons of drunken Exodus stories, man, where they were just, uh, <laughs> you know, they were they were all partiers and they weren't alcoholics. So, like, you know, to be around it was was fine. I, 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 I rarely had moments where it bothered me. There, there were a few a few moments but for the most part, man, it was just fun. It, like I didn't really – they never really crossed any boundaries with me. I had awesome. a – you know, there was always a way out. I always had a – like a bunk to go sleep in or, and get away from everybody if I felt like it. I had earplugs and headphones and I – you know, if I um, – the only time it ever came to a head was uh, we were on tour in Europe and um, and they were drinking like a bottle of Jaeger before they even went on stage. And oh, jeez. They were making – mistakes now now through the years they had never done that they'd always like they'd always drank water or maybe a beer or two and then as they were playing they would drink a couple more beers so by the end of the set um they might have drank three or four maybe five beers but okay now they were doing shots it started out as oh let's do a shot before the show starts you know and then it and then that escalated into a bottle of jaeger before they even walked on stage with beer so they were making mistakes like in the first two songs and they were making mistakes. And, and, um, when I said it, they all got real defensive and we got into this fucking screaming army. I'll never forget it. It was screaming. It was fuck, fuck you. Fuck. And then the wow. next day, um, Rob, we were, you were right. We're sorry. We won't do that anymore. So, and then it stopped and everything was fine. So that was the only time that, Okay. You know, that I, I ever asked, you know, because, I, you know, it's one thing that if, you know, if, if it doesn't affect me, I don't give a fuck. I, you know what I mean? I really right, don't. Right. So that's kind of how it worked. And, and uh, yeah, so I'll tell you one crazy story. It, it affected me, but more in a, in a comical way than anything else was. <laughs> oh, boy. We, um, we were going to uh, Europe for uh, – six weeks and um this was early this was like 2007 right so 2007 and we're going to europe and uh at the time um the way a lot of bands do it was they they get equipment and they they rent a storage space and they have uh they have it filled with um, all the gear they need to tour Europe with. So they, so okay. ours was like in Germany. So we would fly, no matter where we were touring, starting, we would try to start it in Germany because we would fly to Germany, get our bus and our trailer, load it with all our gear, and then go. Okay. Well, this was this was pre. This was like when Exodus was setting itself back up to um, to uh, learn how to, to to start touring again because they hadn't toured in, in years. All so. Right. Um, they didn't have any equipment over there. So we were st- at the airport with heads and fucking multiple guitars and, uh, sound equipment. The drummer had cymbals and snare oh, and wow. just, we had a, one of those carts. We had two of those carts filled with gear. Oh my God. And, uh, we get to the airport and the promoter had not bought our tickets. They hadn't, they hadn't paid for them in full. So we get to the airport at like six in the morning to fly at eight and no one, they didn't, we didn't have any tickets. Oh my God. They make calls. They scramble. Our fucking tour manager is there. He's freaking out. We're all just kind of sitting there and I'm fucking, you know, this is, you know, this is pre cell phone. 
Well, there's cell phones, but we don't use them like we do now. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so he's scrambling. So they get uh, they get the flight straightened out. They get him paid for and all that. But we're not leaving till eight o'clock that night. So now there's a twelve hour delay. Jeez, right. Oh so we have all this equipment. So Jack, the bass player, he says, "Well, I'm going to fuck home." And he got on the train and he went home. So me, me, Lee, and Gary, and Paul. Oh, Paul left too. Paul left. He came back, but he left. Me, Gary, Lee, and the tour manager leave. We we stay at the airport with all the equipment, and we go to um, TGI Fridays. Okay. Right. And we're sitting there, and I'm like, twelve hours. We're like fucking complaining and blah. So they start drinking, right? Oh boy. And um, oh, so I I go walk around the airport. I go read a book. I sit. I try to find the most comfortable chair I could find. I waste twelve hours of dicking around because I actually at the time live in Los Angeles. So I flew to San Francisco to rehearse for a week, and then was just leaving with those guys, right? So I, okay. I don't. I'm not even near my house. Yeah, you you really had nowhere to go anyway. Yeah, man. So I'm just sitting there. So anyway, I, I'm come back a few hours later. And they are fucking shit-faced. It's like noon. Oh, And they are fucking drunk. So uh, I hang out for a bit. I eat. I fucking chill. I'm like, I'm going to go do something else. And and I just, you know, went and read and hung up on myself. I came back at like 5 in the afternoon. Now, they're sitting there. They have every shot glass at the table from the bar (laughs) is at their table. And they're clean. As I say, I go... What do you guys have every shot glass? They were getting their drinks and adding three or four shots to it. They were so drunk. I've never seen them this drunk ever. Lee to this day says it was the it was the number one drunk he's ever been in. And he's a, oh a he's a, a Ukrainian <laughs> crazy Eastern Bloc drinking. He'll drink a bottle, he'll drink anyone I know under the table. And he is fucking housed. They got this guy who's going off to Afghanistan. To go to war, he's sitting there and he's buying round after round after round. They got oh some God. girl, some girl's on her way to Hawaii. She's sitting there doing drinks and drinking and fucking everyone is just fucking hammered. <laughs> and I'm like, man, what the fuck? And it's like it's actually everyone's having a good time. It's just everyone's just really, really drunk. <laughs> now me and uh, the tour manager go, we ready to go st- put our gear in so me and him take the two things so now it's like it's like a couple hours before boarding so we take all the gear and we go back to the gate and we say you guys stay here we'll take care of it we wheel these all the equipment back we get it all checked in come back with the tickets everybody's happy hey uh, and now they're fucking shit-faced as me and uh his name was Durder at the time so Durder was the tour manager so we're sitting there and all of a sudden an ambulance pulls up and goes flying into the into the airport, right? Okay. We're still standing there. We're checking in. And all of a sudden, we, we see the ambulance come out. And the girl that was on her way to Hawaii for vacation is on a stretcher being put into an ambulance. Oh, my God. For alcohol poisoning. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? Like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. Then we go back to the table. We're like, oh, they're like, oh, yeah, she was shit-faced, man. She... <laughs> She got sick, and then they tried to take her to the gate, but she got up. And then, and they're all like, ah, they're all just hammered. 
Oh, my God. I go, well, it's time to go to the gate gate, right? So we go to the gate and check in. Lee and Gary are just fucking shit-faced. And Jack shows up and Paul. Now, those guys start drinking, but they're no way near in the shape that these two are. <laughs> right. <laughs> right next to our gate was a bar. And Lee, Lee walks up, orders a three-finger shot of Patron and a Long Island iced tea. Oh, boy. He fucking does that. Shoot. Now he is toast. He is a blank slate of just – he is – he can't, can't talk to him. He just is – he's a fucking – he is gone. Oh, God. So he's – I'm holding on to him like, Lee, you need to keep it together. We're trying to get on the plane, right? Oh, my God. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So we get on the plane. I, I, I'm actually uh, – I get on a couple people ahead and I I, uh, I get to my seat and it was a window seat and there were two people that were sitting here next to me and I didn't know them. And uh, Gary's behind me laughing, <laughs> making a scene. Oh, God. Jack and Paul are over there being quiet and embarrassed. Jack, Jack was up front. Jack was all the way like 10 seats for him. So um, I, got, I got my book out. I'm ready to read my book. And, uh, Lee sees me. He's he's gonna sit behind me. Dukes, I love you, man. <laughs> and he decides to hug me, laying over these people. And he's got, dude, he's got hair down to his waist. Oh he's got God. a big beard. He's just a big, crazy-looking person. The lady freaks out. Oh, freaks. He's laying across her to give me a hug. And then he gets up and he's laughing. <laughs> And then he said, the lady gets up and leaves. Then I see the fucking pilot guy coming. I'm like, oh, no. So he says, you've got to get off the plane. He's like, what? And Lee's like, what? I go, hold on, dude, 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 look. I go, ma'am, he's he's just really drunk. He's going to be asleep in five seconds. Yeah. And he's going to sleep until we get to Germany. Yeah. Like just, And she wasn't having it. Oh. Right? So I, I, the, the, I get up. The pilot takes me off the plane. We talk. I go, look, I, he'll be fine. Just let him go to sleep, man. He's already asleep now. He, he was. He was already fucking out. <laughs> so so oh we're on the God. plane. I go back to the seat. The woman, I said, I'm really sorry about that, man. We, they, we had a delay for like hours and they got a little drunk. And, and, but he's going to sleep. He's fine. She goes, I'm not flying on the plane if he's going to be on the plane. Oh. The pilot goes, you guys got to get off the plane. Oh. So I pick up, I'm like, what the fuck, man? Jeez. So Lee is just, now he's hammered and they're calling the police. Oh, now the police wow. are coming. They're throwing me and Lee off the plane or throwing Lee off the plane. I'm just going with him. Right. Yeah. I have to. Yeah. And then Gary stands up and he goes, what the fuck is going on, man? <laughs> like, what the fuck? And this guy goes, <laughs> this guy goes, hey, man, I have little kids. Can you not curse? And Gary goes, fuck you. And the guy stands up and punches Gary in the face. Oh, jeez. Dude, all this mayhem breaks out. And I get Gary off the plane. I get Lee off the plane. And Jack is like Jack, – Jack tells me he was sitting in his seat and these two like teenagers were next to him. And the teenagers go, dude, what fucking band are you guys? And he goes, Exodus. And he fucking walked <laughs> off the plane. <laughs> so fucking – we get off the plane and the cops are there. So now the police are standing at the gate where we're getting off the plane. And I, I, I was like, Lee and Gary, I was like, both of you, 
don't say a fucking word or you're going to go to jail. And they both just kind of, now they're both kind of like, oh no. Like they know, like, like they're in that, they're in that, I want to do anything. I just want to go to sleep. That's, they, yeah. they, they don't give a fuck what is happening. They just want to go to sleep. Dude, your mom's on fire. I don't give a fuck. I got to go to sleep. I'll deal with it in the morning and then I'm done. So the guy, they're going to arrest the guy for assault on Gary because Gary told him, fuck you, when he asked him to not curse in front of his kids. I said, don't arrest that guy. Let him back on the plane and get that sh- get our shit off the plane and yeah. we'll figure it out. But uh, leave that guy a fuck alone because yeah. he deserved to be left alone. <laughs> Because Gary had it coming. Uh, he says it to this day. I did. I had it coming. Oh, yeah, wow. So Gary's sitting there, the cops. And he, so we're sitting. We're trying to straighten all this out. And the cop says, hey, what band are you guys? And I said, we're, we're fucking Exodus, man. We're on our way to Europe. We got like six weeks of touring to do. And this is day one. And they're like, Jesus Christ. So, so he gets on the phone and he calls back and he goes, dude, my son's a huge fan, man. Can I get a picture with all you guys? And we're like, so we're standing here with the cops. We have a picture of us with the cops <laughs> at the San Francisco airport. Everyone's hammered. <laughs> and Lee's, I'm holding Lee up. He is fucking sleeping. And he's like, <laughs> so now we're talking like, this is like, this plane is delayed. Like, it's now like 930. This oh, plane was supposed God. to leave at eight. It's an hour. They finally get all our shit off the, the plane. Oh, God. They bring it to me at the gate. I wheel the stuff now. So Delta red flagged us. So we got uh, another flight with another company in the morning. So they had to wait, had to wait until like 8 a.m., which means we were going to miss our first show. We're paying for a bus to to exist that we're not using. So like this is like a catastrophic money expense. Yeah. Plus we're missing a, a, a huge festival that we were playing. So I go back with all the gear. I wheel it down. I find Lee. I have the picture. It's in my old phone. He's sleeping under the chairs. You know the chairs because they make them, they put the armrest so you can't lay on them? Yeah, yeah. He's laying on the floor in the fetal position and he's just groaning. (laughs) Uh, And uh, so the next morning at 6 a.m., everyone, I wake everyone up at like 4.30. I get them to the gate and we get on the plane and we fly to Europe and – we miss our first show. So we, we get to our second show. We go to the second show and we're there. And um, everyone's now trying to recover from the first night of debacle. So we're in Switzerland and it happened to be the merch girl Aaron's birthday. So everyone's went. So we, we went to the club where we were playing the next night. Okay. And they started drinking. Oh, no. To try to get over the hangover that they're in. <laughs> so they started drinking. And everyone, so it wasn't really, a, they didn't get hammered, but they got it. They, they just got evened out, you know what right. I mean? Yeah. But Erin, it was her birthday. She got hammered. So we're all sleeping on the bus at a, uh, in Europe, you, uh, you, you can't sleep at the club. We partied at the club, but we were parked at a, at a, like a, it's like a bus commuter lot. And it's okay. where all the tour buses park and they have hookups for your electric and you just kind of sit there and you. You wait till you because so you can go play the next day. Okay. So um, we're all. I'm a, I was totally asleep, and uh, she must have got sick and was puking in the parking lot. And a cop saw her and um, came over to investigate. And uh, next thing you know, man, the bus is full of fucking Swiss cops. 
Oh and my it's like, God. It's like 6 a.m. The sun's coming out. Now they're dragging everyone off the bus. <laughs> they bring no less than six cop cars. Oh, my they God. have us all sitting outside on the ground on the curb and they take our bus completely apart and the trailer. They open every guitar case. They open every little thing. They open every drawer of every guitar rig cabinet they have. They take everything out on. It's all laid out in the parking lot, man. People oh, are tourists are taking geez. pictures of us standing there in my boxer shorts, purposely sitting with my dick hanging out <laughs> like this when people would take pictures. Just fuck you. Oh I'm yelling gosh. at the cops. I'm like, what the fuck? And at one point, they like, I'll never forget you guys. I go, what are you looking for? He goes, well, we read about you guys. We're looking for crystal meth. And I was like, dude, it's not the 80s, man. It's yeah. fucking, it's 2000. We don't do that anymore, man. Oh, my God. So they find a pot cookie. That was all they found. Oh, my gosh. $250 fine. Dude, there was a oh. point where I, I was uh, – I had to take a piss. I'm like, I gotta go. I gotta take a piss. And they're like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna follow. I go. You, you can see that I'm wearing no shirt and boxer shorts. I'm like, what? So he's standing over me. I go, you like my dick? You like it, right? And he's, he's just mad. He wants to arrest me. And I'm like, what are you gonna arrest me for? I'm like, you're standing over my shoulder. You think I'm gonna throw it down the fucking toilet at this point? Yeah. I go, you know, it was just, it was fucking craziness, mayhem. From the fucking start, right? So at one point, oh, this is funny. So they pull up with this um, this this weird looking truck. It's a van, and it has all. It's like a little chemical lab, and they were taking all our pills out of our like somebody. I had a bottle of like uh, uh, Tylenol PM. Okay, yeah. They took them all out and were testing them to make sure they were. Tylenol PM. Oh my! So they they took the then they they tested them. I don't know what they did to them, but they put them in the bottle. And the guy handed it to me, and I opened it and poured it on the ground and dropped the bottle. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Really? Like you motherfucker? You know exactly. Yeah. So Jack, the bass player, Jack Gibson, he is a um, he's a special kind of guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to put it. So I would go to Europe and I would, I would buy a pack of socks and I would wear them once and throw them away, wear them once and throw them away. And um, Jack would do his laundry. He would find laundry spots and, and I didn't give, do my laundry. I wore the same shit on stage every night, which smelled awful. <laughs> and I basically wore – I basically wore like just comfortable clothes. Like I would wear like a T-shirt. For a couple of days, and then I'd get rid of it, and I'd put on another one, you know, because you don't okay. really, not really doing a lot, man. You know what I mean? I, I had a, you know, at the time I was running at the time, so I had like a running set of clothes and stuff. Okay. And maybe, maybe I'd wash them in the sink by hand and then let them dry out, but I would never do. I hardly ever did my laundry unless it was really easy to do. Like, oh, here's a machine, go ahead and do it. Um, but Jack was obsessed, and he would, uh, <clears throat> he would, he would, he would pack. And he would set it up so he had he had individually packed soap to do laundry with. So if he found a laundry uh, place, which in Europe there aren't laundromats anywhere. Oh, really? Like they're they're really few and far between. Like every once in a while, you'll come across one. But um, I remember we were we were so desperate to do our laundry at the end of this tour one time. It was it'd been like we were been there for like two months, and the the uh, singer and guitar player of uh, a Dark Funeral. Let us come to his house in Sweden and do our laundry. And we go to his house. Now I think we're going to like I think 
you know, dark funeral. I mean, you know, he's he's such a nice guy. But I assumed his house was going to be like this dark, fucking evil, fucking castle, just regular house yeah. with a laundry room. It was crazy. <laughs> and we hung out. We had lunch. We talked and fucking we hung out for a couple hours in their laundry. And then, all right, man, I'll see you later. And then we left. No, oh Michael, my god, Michael's a Michael's. He's a very good guy. Dark funeral's a. The music's a little heavy for me. I, I don't really. Uh, I, I listen to it occasionally if it comes out of my in my uh, if it comes when I, when I'm doing like a a, a shuffle. Yeah, but. Uh, I don't think I've ever said, oh, I'm going to listen to some Dark Funeral right now. <laughs> it's just not that – I'm just not that guy. But um, I appreciate it and I, and I like him a lot. He's a really good band. And if you like Black Metal from Sweden, man, they Dark Funeral and, and Hypocrisy uh, are two bands that are really fucking good. So. I, I feel like I'm a lot like you in that sense where if it comes on, I'm not, probably not going to turn it off, but I'm not going to it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, – So you're doing so laundry – so we're doing – so they open Jack's suitcase and they see these individually baggies of fucking laundry detergent. And I swear the cop went, yes, because oh, he God. thought it was fucking drugs. And we all start <laughs> laughing because we all know what a freak Jack is. And he goes, it's fucking laundry detergent. I go, we know what the fuck it is, dude. We know it's soap, you freak. We all start laughing and this guy thinks he's going from – beat cop to detective <laughs> because he made the fucking bust of the century. He's got the mother load. There. And I go, hey, douchebag, it's fucking soap. He goes, ah, we'll see. We'll see. And he fucking puts in a, and they test it and they come back. And yeah, it's soap. <laughs> so we miss our next show. We miss the next show oh because of this. Dude, we were there for over 12 hours, man. Because oh the girl was God. puking outside our bus because she got drunk on her birthday. They took apart everything, man. And all they walked away with was a $200 pot cookie ticket that you just pay. It's just a ticket. It's not even a court thing. You just. Oh, my but God. The worst part of it. The worst part of it was. So we. <laughs> the worst. The, the night, the day, the, the drive going from where we got the bus into, into Switzerland was so fucking rad. I was, I was, they had, the bus had two like sunroofs, like you could open them up. Oh, cool. And they were cool. The one. Didn't have like a, you know how they have like a, a bubble on them? Yeah. Well, it didn't have it. It just had a slide window. You could crank it and it would slide back. And I would stand up and I was on the roof of the bus. <laughs> oh my just God. sitting there like with my chest <laughs> hanging out, just going through the Alps, man, for out. Jack was in front videotaping me. Oh, I'm like, wow. dude, this is the, and he's videotaping the Alps and we're fucking, I was going to try and walk from one to the other. So I climbed out. And oh, I stood up on the bus and I went, there's no fucking way. And I got – like those movies are bullshit. Like there's no fucking – it was so fucking sketchy. The bus is going like 40 miles an hour and I was going to walk to the bubble where Jack was. But I, w- it was cr- I would have died. I, w- I think I would have died. It would have been crazy. There's oh. nothing to hold on to. So anyway, he has all this Jeez. really cool funny footage, man. When the cops first raided the bus, Jack had his camera on and he was filming it. Oh, wow. They took the film. Oh, man. They took the film of that because he was filming. He's like, what are you guys doing? Like, what the fuck is going on? And I was asleep, so I, I didn't see any of that. But Jack said, he, he goes, they came on like they were making the bust of the century, man. It was fucking crazy. So oh, anyway, geez. we uh, it was one of the worst tours ever, man. We we got we we got to Lyon, France, and um, we had to fly to a show. And uh, because like something happened, we got stuck at the airport. And our flight got delayed and we had to oh sleep God. at the fucking airport and, and overnight with no hotels. We're sleep. I, they have a picture of me sleeping on a park bench 
And they took a bunch of wine bottles and newspaper and <laughs> took a picture of me. And I was totally asleep. I don't remember any of it. And uh, we slept on park benches. And then the airport opened the next morning and we flew to where we had to fly. But Oh, my God. This was the, this was the show where uh, we, were, we were in a room and uh, Jeff Tate's Queensryche was the room next to us. Now, this was a big – this is a festival you're playing. And there's like – you're playing in big tents. But okay. all the the the, uh, the artist catering was in the center of this big huge tent, and they just had like office dividers, man, that were like eight feet high, and so all the bands were. So we were hanging out with uh, we were hanging out with White Snake with uh, Doug Aldrich, who was oh awesome. cool, and he was awesome. His wife was an Exodus fan. He goes, ah, oh, she's a fucking metalhead. So we signed this thing for her, and nice. So we, we you know we were hanging out. So Queensrÿch was the room next to us, and. Uh, I have to say, man, they, they were not cool to us at all. So Really? Uh, yeah, so uh I think I've heard that about Jeff they Tate. They were just they were dicks, man. They were dicks to us that day. For whatever reason. This was the Jeff Tate era. Yeah. So anyway, so uh Twisted Sister played. They were fucking terrible. They were just they weren't very good that day. They wow. had a bad day. So we were making fun of them while we were on stage because they had already left. So, yeah. you know, consequences. So <laughs> yeah. we, uh, but Queensryche hadn't gone on yet. And we were on stage and, and Lee started talking shit about how much dicks Queensryche were <laughs> and made the crowd cheer like fucking crazy. <laughs> and then uh, so while they were on, we had to actually leave as soon as we were done playing. We only got to see we got to see Whitesnake. So Whitesnake went on and then Queensryche. So while we were watching Whitesnake. We took all of our food, all our catering, all our um, – which was all just like like peanuts and M&Ms and all sorts of other uh, miscellaneous candies and shit. Yeah. And we threw it over the wall into Queensryche's fucking shit. Oh. Throwing, <laughs> like, we threw the vegetable plate and we threw it all over there. So they came in off stage and all there was just shit all over there. We had already left, so we didn't care. Oh, man. Yeah, they were, they were lame. So that's – this, that, this whole tour was just one shit show after another, and, and uh, it lasted three weeks, man. It was the worst tour any of us ever did. It was just – if it could go wrong, it did, man. Shit was blown up. Fucking shows were – the shows were good. That was like the only upside of it is that the shows were great. It was all festivals. We played nothing but festivals. Oh, cool. Dude, I, we were in Spain. We flew to Spain, and we had these fucking badass hotels. I mean, this was the, one of the nicest hotels I've ever had. It was I had my own room. Oh, nice. But I put my bag in there, right? And then I go – as soon as I put my bag in the room, I wash my brush my teeth. I clean up a little bit. And then I had to go to the bus, the, the, the van to go to play a gig. And then when I came back from the hotel, we were walking the doors. So Joey was like uh, – our tour manager was like, hey, man, uh, we got to leave. You have 45 minutes. I'm oh, like, What? You have 45 minutes. Like, why'd you even get me a fucking room, motherfucker? Yeah. I remember flipping out. What, the nicest fucking room I've ever had ever on tour in a band? And you're, I can't even say. So, uh, got up my chair, took a shower, I messed the bed up, fucking rubbed one out, and then fucking left, man. <laughs> Fuck. I was so mad. I remember being just, just a pouty little bitch for the, rest, for the rest of the fucking night. I was so mad. Fuck, man. Oh, man. King size bed, fluffy as fuck. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> touring, dude. That, man, touring has touring has ups and downs and, and the, the, the when you always look back on it, the downs are always comical. Dude, yeah. in, we were playing Slovenia and everybody on the bus except Lee 
got this this flu and it would oh. just it wasn't a, it was a flu of it lasted about 24 hours and it was you couldn't if you drank a bottle of water 30 seconds later you were puking it out oh, you couldn't you couldn't God. eat you couldn't drink anything you just sat there and shook and shivered and oh, sweat it was it was the war everyone got everyone got it except lee everyone i remember jack had it i hear jack puking outside the bus and i i got i was getting up in the morning and i, I was like jack you all right he's like no nah, dude i don't feel good at all oh. and climbing back in his bunk he's like oh i feel like shit i go oh that's terrible oh man feel better buddy and i go downstairs and i drink a glass of orange juice and i went oh fuck oh. <laughs> no i got it and i puked. Oh, no i was on stage dude i was on stage there was my mic stand right Right. And next to my mic stand is a is a garbage can because I was standing there and I was just and puking into this can. Oh Dude, it was fucking brutal. Oh, my God. Everyone got it except Lee. I don't maybe Gary didn't get it either. But all the tour guys got it. The sound guy got it. All the all the there was three bands. I mean, it was us, Sepultura and uh Somebody else, Andreas, every uh, Sepultura, all got it. Oh, geez. they were sick as us. They were fucking puking. It was crazy. Was this the same tour? Four hours. Was this the same same tour or is that a different tour? It was. Oh, there's a different tour. There's a okay. different tour, but just I was just saying that, like, you know, now that I look at the time, that was like a really rough <laughs> couple <laughs> days. But you know what, man? Like. You know, now that I look back on it, it was kind of funny. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you know, it, some of the toughest stuff you go through gives you some of the best memories. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, so I've got a couple of questions for you. Okay. Shoot. All right. So now, as you explained, you know, you, you sang with Exodus, and then right. you, you formed Generation Kill in 2008. Yeah. You started. You, you've done work with uh, DMC, Daryl McDaniels. Yeah, that was. Uh, How did that uh, happen? That I mean, that sounds like a, a completely random collaboration. Okay, so um, so I lived in New York. Exodus was in San Francisco, and uh, I had uh, a couple friends, you know, that I, I, mean, I grew up in, in in New York. So I, I would I sometimes I'd be at home from tour for like a month or two, right? So or like I'd be a month. It was normally about like four to five weeks, and then you'd have to go out again, but. So I decided that when I was home for those four or five weeks, uh, I had a couple uh, friends at, at the time that I was like, "Hey man, let's just get together in a rehearsal room and jam." You know what I mean? So yeah. um, we're like, "Okay." So basically, we started out just doing uh, Black Sabbath songs. We're just doing like Black Sabbath, and we did like Motor Breath by Metallica, and we did a couple other oldies but goodies, and we were just kind of like just hanging out. It was just you know, something to do other than just sit home, you know? Right. I mean? um, yeah. And so, uh, it escalated into, uh, writing a couple songs. And then, um, so, you know, the first record, it was, we, we, uh, we wrote, uh, a, a couple songs and then I had to leave for tour. So while I was gone, the guys that, that I was jam with, they kept working on stuff. You know what I mean? They would, okay. they would send me riffs and I'd be like, Oh, this is a cool riff. Let's work on that. And, uh, I've got some feelings I can't express I feel my dust in 
basically they would send me like a, 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 a an, uh, an email with an MP3 file, and it would be like one riff, and then what they would do is they'd send me just a, a, a bunch of different riffs, and I would kind of like I would kind of like mix and match them together, and go put this one with this one, and see if that works out. Okay. And then they would, and sometimes they worked out, and sometimes they didn't, and I'd be like, ah, that doesn't work. Just try something. Try this one, and then so while I was on the road. We're putting together these riffs. So when I when I came back, they had now we had a semblance of of, of a handful of songs. So I I wrote lyrics for them, and then next thing you know, we're jamming those along with the covers, and still, and we're just having fun, and we're doing something cool. Yeah. So then we we decided to record them. So we recorded them um, with my buddy Johnny Rod in New York, and um, recorded. And the and like I said, the 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 first one, the Red Generation Killer, Red White and Blood, was basically just. I was kind of like half involved. I mean, I, I was, I couldn't be as involved as I was when I, when we did the second record. So the first one was basically kind of like a demo. It was kind of like, okay, we just, just to get ideas across and just kind of like, and we played a couple, we played one show. I think we played, we played like one, one night with a, with a couple other bands. I don't remember. Do we? Yeah. So we played and we played like the originals we had and a couple Sabbath songs and we left, you know, and, uh, and Metallica song. So, um, it was just something to do, man, when I was home. That's all that it was, you know. Um, okay. And uh, so then uh, uh, Gary joined Slayer. So Exodus started taking uh, less – doing less tours. So now I had more time at home. So basically I took a, a larger interest in the in the Generation Kill only because I had more time. So I could actually – we could actually get into a room and cultivate – uh, what we were doing, we cultivated this record, and it was just okay. a, a culmination of a riffs that they had all handed me. They had like all three: uh, uh, Jay Velez, Jay Trenzer, and at the time, our bass player was Rob Machete, and he had handed me the a bunch of uh, riffs, and I put a bunch of riffs together and uh, and made that record. Uh, basically, uh, I, I I asked Zeus, who was my friend, and. Uh, who uh, did me a huge solid? We paid him. We all we all came up with uh, the money of how much it cost to, for him to produce our record, and uh, okay. so we paid for the studio time. So we all pitched in and came up with a, 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 a some money, and um, basically, uh, Zeus came to my friend Johnny Rod's studios in New York, and he sat with the drummer, and we did the, all the drum tracks. So. Over a year, it took about like six to months to a year to to lay out all the songs and get them all ready. And there were like so those guys didn't know what I was going to sing. Basically, when we were in a room together, I would just kind of like make up shit and blah, 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 and just kind of get melodies and stuff. Okay. And then I would go home and I would write to I'd write lyrics to my melodies, you know. So um, basically, <clears throat> this went on for a while. So they did the drums. And then I had to go to South America for like two weeks. And while I was in South America, Zeus had met those guys in New York and did all the guitars and the bass. So now Zeus was uh, home in Connecticut and he was uh, – he mixed the – got all the drums and they were sending me like uh, like like demos. Like, you know, just like okay. semblances. Not, not finals but, you know. Right, right, yeah. So I started I – had, I had a bunch of lyrics. I had like scattered ideas and stuff like that and then um, – and then I got home and uh, 
I sat alone for uh, a couple weeks and I wrote all the lyrics in a, in a couple weeks. And, uh, and then I went to Connecticut and stayed with Zeus and did their vocals over like a, over like a 10 day period. Okay. Um, so now we had a, a, an album and it was, it was done and it was cool. And I'm very proud of it, man. We're all going to die is a really, to me, it's, it's a good album because it reflects, a little bit of everything that I love, man. It's got some dirt rock in it. It's got metal. It's got rock. It's got punk. It's got hardcore. It's got just a, a, everything that the, all the music that I that has accompanied my life and my existence on this planet kind of came off in this record. And it just kind of like little bits and pieces. And there's a little bit of the Doors in there. And there's a little bit of you know Caius. And there's like it's just it's just a big you know shit show of everything. <laughs> Basically, I, I ripped off everything I ever loved and I put it on my own. I was very proud of it and Zeus fucking loved it and got behind it with me. And, um, so we didn't have a record deal. We had, we had got out of a deal from the first record with uh, this French label that sucked. I forget, I even forget <laughs> who they were. They were fucking horrible people. So I got, out, I got out of, I got a lawyer okay. and that lawyer contacted them and we got out of the contract and they were happy to get rid of us cause they were scumbags. Um, and oh, then, man. so I started talking with nuclear blast uh, personally and, uh, me and Marcus and, and Yop and we started talking and they were reluctant to, to take on the, on the, the, the project. They didn't, they hmm. didn't really think it was anything that they wanted to touch. And, um, a couple other labels told us, um, that they didn't want anything to do with it. Um, oh, wow. I think one label told me the world doesn't need this. Oh my God. Yeah. That's what some fucking douchebag said to me. I forget what label it was. I wish I remember. Cause I would definitely, fucking call them out ah oh, man yeah the world doesn't need this and but, i wrote back yeah but then go fuck yourself you fucking loser yeah um um like it like it needs all the uh ariana grandes in the world yeah like yeah like really it's that bad you know fuck you man so exactly. um so me being really good you know lee altus is, is one of my closest friends uh so uh, lee um Decides that Heathen's going to go on tour, and he loves the Generation Kill record. He he actually really loved it. He he said he he, he listened to it a lot, and he, he was a, a big fan. And awesome. um, so he decided to take us on tour. We didn't have a record contract, and we didn't have a we didn't even have a record out. We didn't even have anything. Oh, wow. There was nobody had heard. Uh, they only heard the first like the Red, White, and Blood record, which is basically a demo. Yeah, um, yeah. That's, that's all they had. They had. So I, I said, okay, we're going to go to Europe, boys. And, wow. and uh, so we, we got our shit together. We got enough money saved up and everyone was able to, to fucking – we went to Europe for a month. And oh, wow. um, we played a bunch of shows and then uh, at the last two shows were in – last three shows were in Germany. And uh, every – the first two nights in Germany, I forget the name of the towns, but wherever we were, some people from Nuclear Blast were coming to watch the show. Um, and, uh, they were, uh, 
they were impressed enough that the owner and and uh, and the and like the the CEO guy showed up to the last show we were at and uh, and brought a record contract. Oh wow, and that's awesome! So they basically so all the money we had put up, um, they gave us enough money to, to everyone got their money back. So you know everyone got uh, everything we had invested individually. Awesome. We got all that back, and that's all I wanted. We didn't want them take more than we 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 needed it just i just wanted to pay for the production and the studio time and that's basically what happened so it was nice to be able to come home from tour and hand everybody back a couple grand and go here man yeah. <laughs> here's your money back because <laughs> yeah, we didn't make any money on the tour yeah. uh, but we had a blast man we had fun man touring with lee was is always fun as shit we shared a bus with those guys and, and that's uh, awesome and david white and heathen or uh all those guys were a lot of fun and it was it was um it was a special tour. I'll never forget it. It was it was cool. And then um, I moved back to New York. Uh, I go back to uh, Exodus, and then I I was in um, I was getting married, uh, and uh, I had a marriage. I had a wedding coming up, and uh, I was and I was going to relocate to to uh, Arizona, and uh, I could be closer to San Francisco. And right. uh, I was after Hurricane Sandy. Um, I just kind of had enough of the winners and the and the I, New York had just it run its course with me and um, I needed a, I needed a change yeah, so I moved to Arizona. My wife is an identical twin and her twin sister had moved here a year previous and uh, they had never been apart before so they were she oh, was wow. alone for like a year so I decided that uh, it would be a nice thing to move her near her sister so yeah. we did we we moved near her sister. And they could be together again. So that's kind of how that went. And, yeah, they, uh, so they be together. For a, you get so, to change. So what fucking sucked is I moved to Arizona and Exodus fires me. Like after I finished the record, went to New York, got married, moved, relocated my whole life to Arizona where I don't know anyone. And then they fired me that, that the day I got here, like two days after oh, I got here. Jeez. And uh, I spent a year, you know, just really bitter really anger just i was i was just angry and and i i i really it was really tough to hold it all together it really was it was a tough year and you know deep down inside i knew it was just business but it, it affected it affected everything that affected my friendships with with lee and gary and, and oh, tom yeah. and jack and um and uh you know it had a lot to do with uh business and uh and and management and a lot of whispering in people's ears and saying this would be better and this would be good. Look at the numbers of here and now, you know, after I had spent 10 years bringing back a band that had, had just basically not done anything for 13 years previous, then I come from the ground up playing Mercados and playing clubs to 10 people and fucking playing uh, just shitholes and, and uh, playing the creepy crawl in St. Louis and, and yeah. just – which is by far the worst club I've ever played in my life. Really? <laughs> and oh, uh, just going through all the going through all that to be, you know, to hand it back to to Zetro, I was bitter and angry and I was uh I spent the next year just kind of just trying to pick myself up from that. So I I got a, a re, you know, um I'd always had a job even in Exodus, but I it was always a part-time job. So mm. I had a full-time job and um so, uh, you know, Generation Kill started, we started working on new stuff and, and, uh, at my very last Exodus show, the very last show was at a, the Rock on the Range in Ohio 
And it was the day that the the Rangers pushed the Pittsburgh Penguins out of the playoffs. Oh, and, okay. Uh, so th- this is so this is around June. So during the show, uh, Daryl uh, McDaniel's uh, DMC was playing with uh, Pop Evil. He had done some track with them, and and uh, so anyway, I walking through catering, I run into Daryl, and I said, "Hey, man, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I'm from uh, Astoria, and you're from Hollis. And when I was a kid, I had your mixtape. I had your tape. I had a cassette. Yeah." Hey, all right, man. That's awesome, man. Uh, take a picture, <laughs> Queens boy. All right, man. So he goes, dude. Let's let's uh, let's meet up later. Where are you going now? I go. I'm gonna watch the Ranger game on my bus, and then I'm gonna come back to catering and eat. He goes, oh, dude, we'll come out. But there's a there's a thing later. We'll we'll meet see at the after party. And I was like, okay. I never made it to the after party. I just stayed and watched hockey and then went to bed. Yeah. Um. <laughs> anyway, didn't think nothing of it. At the next morning, I'm sitting at the airport and. Uh, Walking toward me is fucking Daryl by himself. Oh, wow. Walking toward me. Sits down next to me. Yo, man, where were you last night? I was like, ah, oh, I watched the Rangers fucking beat Pittsburgh. And then I, I kind of just got sidetracked and went went to bed. Ah, oh, that's what we start talking. And where are you going? I go, I live in New York. Oh, me too. And and then he goes, uh, I go, I got you know, I got a band in New York, man. This cool band. I said, Generation Kill. He goes, oh, that's cool. And I go, I have a CD. So I had my backpack and I gave him a, a CD. And then uh, he went on to his flight, and I went on to mine, and, and uh, I didn't speak to him again. So uh, the day that, that Exodus uh, fired me, they fired me at 9 a.m., right? Right. Daryl got my number through – I forget how he got my number. Maybe he hit me up through Twitter on in, in a private message or Instagram or whatever it was. Somehow he got my number, so he actually calls me at 10 a.m., now I'm reeling from the from the Exodus thing. Right, right, yeah. He's like, "Hey, man, I want to do a song," or maybe he called me at nine and they called me at ten. I forget. Anyway, so I was like, "Oh yeah, Daryl called me first. He called me and and then Exodus called me an hour later." Uh, I was like, "Oh, that's fucking cool, man." Yeah, I said, "You know what? We'll I'll talk to my band and we'll start working on something and we'll we'll do a song." And and the song ended up being a uh, Lot Lizard. So if you do to if you go on YouTube. And go Fragile Mortals, Lot Lizard. You'll hear the song. That was the song that we did. It was about a truck stop hooker. And I had come across a truck stop hooker moving from New York to Arizona. I had never experienced it before. All the years of truck stops and (laughs) touring and all that, I had never noticed what a lot lizard was until this one (laughs) night. Me and my my wife were in the truck, and this lady come, and she goes, hey, honey. And then she looked over and saw my wife and went, never mind, and then fucking walked away. (laughs) And then so we watched her walk to another truck because we were just getting gas. And then, right. and then I go, oh, that's a that's a lot lizard. <laughs> I'd never seen one before. You know what I mean? So I remember taking my phone out in the memos, truck stop hooker, lot lizard, lyrics. You know what I mean? And I just put it in my phone. So when Daryl called me, I was like, oh, yeah, I got an idea about this truck stop hooker. So I uh, – I, uh, 
that was all it was. I just told him truck stock hooker. That's all I said. Yeah. I didn't say anything. I didn't show him any of my words or my lyrics. And then I flew to New York. I, I talked to my guitar player. My two guitar players came up with the music, right? Okay. They sent me the riffs. I said, these two riffs will work together. Perfect. Let's do that. I wrote my lyrics. And then I wrote Daryl. I said, here's the music. Your lyrics start at like the 115 mark and they go to 140 and then like 210 to 240 and like just kind of did that. And I go, you write what you're going to write and I'll write what I'm going to write and I'll see you in New York. And I go to New York and I meet him in the studio. Uh, the music is done. So uh, everybody's there and we're recording the song. We did the drums and we're recording the song from scratch. And I go in and I do my part and Daryl did his and we had never heard each other's call and answer see the way this was going to lay out oh wow you know, it was a little bit of magic man it was kind of cool that's you know? awesome and it, wasn't, it was kind of metal and it was kind of blues i don't know if it was metal but it was definitely rock and it was just a really a rock song and it was just kind of weird and trippy and then we got uh bumblefoot this virtuoso guitar oh, player yeah to, i love bumblefoot to play on it so he plays on it and um and then that was it, man. So we, wow. we did a bunch of songs with him, and uh, and it's sitting on a shelf right now. Not yeah. doing anything. <laughs> oh man! Well, I'll, believe me, I'll be throwing it on here a little bit, and uh, get a few more people listening to it at least. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, so what are you doing now? What are you? I know you you uh, had Scott Reeder from Caius in and uh, playing some bass on some stuff for you. What, well, what's Scott's that all about? Doing, yeah, he did a bunch of. Uh, I did a bunch of. Uh, I'm making like a solo record. So okay. I'm making. I'm making music. So Generation Kill is working on a record. We've been working on it a while. We don't live near each other, so it's been a little more difficult. So we're we're, uh, we're just taking our time with it. And we're, when it's done, it's going to be awesome. Um, we are. Uh, I, I live in Arizona. I built a studio in my in my house. Oh, nice. um, and I, I'm able to record at home. So people send me riffs and I can do all my, all my vocals and stuff here by myself and I don't need anyone, um, to, uh, do that. And then, um, so I'm working on a solo record, which is just me. And like, I worked with different guitar players. I worked with John Corsiari in New York. I worked with, uh, uh, this guy Chuck in, in Tampa. I got like just a bunch of different people to, um, play uh, and and work on songs with, and then uh, my friend Craig Safola is a drummer and like a you know he's just kind of a he's been my friend for a long time. He, he's uh, we've, we've been in bands before together and stuff, and just always made music and always made stuff together. Did a like a TV show together at one point and um, on cable access. And oh, anyway, cool. we um been friends for you know twenty five plus years, and uh, so we're making a record of all these weird cover songs. We did a we did uh, Jungle Love by the time, and we got Tom Hunting, the drummer from Exodus, to sing it. Oh, wow. So basically, it's a mixture of of weird songs that you wouldn't cover and, and, and uh, just weird songs we decided to just, all right, we're going to make this heavy and do this. So that's kind of what we did. That's and the I'm kind of stuff I love. Yeah, and then I'm making a a, a, so, a bunch of songs uh, that my parents love. I'm doing we're doing a bunch of songs for our parents. Like oh, we're awesome. covering like their favorite bands. Like we're picking the songs, but we're doing like so. My dad's a huge Tom Petty fan, so I did a Refugee by Tom Petty. I oh, made it awesome. real heavy, and I, 
So we're just doing like I, I did. Uh, I did a uh, uh, simple man for my mom. Oh, you know, just Skinner. yeah. So we're just doing stuff that that our that our parents like and our parents era. And I'm gonna do a song for my uncle. I'm gonna try to take one of his songs um, and make it uh, a metal song. And I just a lot of cool little stuff that I'm trying to do. And what, stay whiskey busy. before breakfast songs. Yeah, like uh, just way out one of them. Yeah, nice. So, um, doing that, and then uh, you know I restore. Uh, vintage uh air-cooled volkswagens at a place in arizona oh nice called doug's bugs and um and that's what i do i'm restoring uh like i do like buses and bugs and all the air-cooled stuff actually if you see that's my corvette i'm doing a corvette for myself oh nice so um but that's, that's my project my, you know, my personal project and uh so i work on cars a lot um and you work on music. I work on music, and I read a lot, and I uh, I smoke the occasional cigar, and I uh, <laughs> drink lots of coffee. Hey, and, uh, I have two uh, I have two Persian cats that uh, that I have. I have uh, this one right here. This is uh, this is Muppet sitting in the sun, watching oh. that out the window. <laughs> Hi, Muppet. Oh wow. Um, there's a little token right there, the little, little black one in the corner. (laughs) I rode yesterday. I rode my motorcycle too. I got up at like 5 a.m. and I jumped on my bike and I rode to the Grand Canyon. How long uh, of a ride is that? Um, it took me, uh, three hours. Oh, wow. So I rode, I rode to the South Rim, took a couple pictures, turned around and drove home. I had lunch (laughs) in Flagstaff. Uh, had lunch and a cup of coffee and then um, came back and then me and my brother-in-law went to a cigar bar and had a had a uh, cigar he had, he was just in New York and, and someone had given him he got some cigars <clears throat> we came back so we went last night and uh, late night to a cigar bar around the corner from my house and smoked a cigar and talked uh, talked hockey and the wedding he went to and all sorts of shit. And that was it, man. Just fucking making music. And making doing music, shit. restoring cars, watching hockey. Living my life, man. That's, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I was, you know, I was sad to see the, uh, the caps not do anything this year, but, uh, I'll take the, the one Stanley cup we've been able to, to, to win. So. Yeah. I'm a New York Rangers fan. So basically I used to not give a shit about Washington because you were never able to beat us, but now I don't like you anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. That's the uh, a lot of people, exactly, exactly. You gotta have rivalries, man. Otherwise, what's the point? Dude, one night I was uh, I was on tour, and I I would wear a Sean Avery New York Rangers jersey, and uh, I was going through Canada during the playoffs, and people were spitting on me. Oh, like, hockey fans! They were. I mean, in a, not in a just not in a shitty way, but like just giving me the finger and just like. <laughs> Like cursing at me and fucking and just going back and forth and I'd be like, yeah, well at least my team's in the fucking playoffs, you yeah. fucking losers. And it just it was just fucking it was awesome, man. And one night we were playing uh, in Philly and uh, Lee is a huge Flyers fan, so he was wearing a Flyers jersey and I was wearing a Rangers jersey. Oh, and I was just getting booed and <laughs> you know, but like in the best of ways, man. It was like it just it was just such a fun experience and then after the show i walked through the crowd with my rangers jersey on and people were just like fuck like i remember i remember reading a fucking article 
someone had sent me this article and it was a uh it was a, a from a, from like a Toronto newspaper and it was a review of the show. And they're like, Exodus is a great fucking band and like the singer had the fucking audacity to be wearing a fucking Rangers jersey in <laughs> Toronto. And he goes, not even just a Rangers jersey, a fucking Sean Avery jersey. <laughs> and it was like, God, how much of a dick could you be? And I was like, I just, I remember loving that article. I actually sent it to Sean and he read it and he was like, ah, oh, it's funny. That's right awesome. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I really appreciate these stories, man. I, this is that's what this show is all about. Just getting some great stories about recording and touring, and and these are some of the best I've heard. So uh, I, I really, oh, do, I really appreciate your time spending, you know, a good chunk of your early morning with me, man. I, I really appreciate that. Right on, man. Yeah. And if uh, is there uh, social media accounts for you or any any of the projects that you're working on that, that where people can follow you and. Just uh, Generation Kill. There's a couple different um, uh, Instagram sites. There's a you know a couple Twitters and a Facebook and all that shit. I don't really have much to do with any of that. It's, that's somebody else's deal. And lately, I've been like in a. I've been actually contemplating going back to a fucking flip phone. Uh, no. For <laughs> I really have, man. I've been. I've been. I'm so close to it. You know. I know the feeling, so, man. Man. If you want to see some of the, the cool cars I built, you can go to Doug's uh, – it's dougsbnb.com and it's uh, – it's a, a, you know, or look up just Doug's Bugs and Bunnies. Okay. And uh, basically it's just cool car stuff that, that, I, that I'm a part of. That's um, awesome. I'm a big, I'm so. a big fan of cars. I used to restore them with my dad when, we were, when I was growing up and my son is an enormous Volkswagen fan. So it's – Oh, yeah, it'll, man. It'll be so, yeah. We have a full so we have a full retail store, a full custom shop. We repair and build nice. anything uh, Volkswagen related, man. Sand rails, dune buggies, oh, nice. all that shit, man. So we do all that. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, well, I'll definitely be checking that out. I'll be pointing well, my son to it too. So cool. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I really do appreciate you spending so much time with me today, man. We okay? Thanks, man. I appreciate the, I appreciate the connection, man. It was nice talking to you, finally. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points.
FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 